Good morning, church. How's everybody? Welcome to church and uh, a place where everybody's welcome. Nobody is perfect and a few people said that. A church where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and together anything is possible. We believe that. We believe it's about connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and other believers in order to fulfill their life purpose. And that's why we exist as a church, so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. Wasn't that an incredible time of worship? I'm telling you, man, that tonight is worship night and it will be at the Tupelo campus. And the song that we just sang, you are worthy of your name. Worthy of your name. Oh, that's such an awesome song. We're going to sing it again tonight. I'm so glad. Uh, usually the last few minutes before um, uh, I come out to talk, I'm in the, the green room or backstage, usually pacing up and down because I'm always just a, a little on edge when I come to speak God's word. I have full confidence that God is with me and that he's going to speak through me. Um, I, I'm just anxious, and not anxious, but uh, excited, I guess would be a better word. But uh, I knew we were going to sing that today, and I've been listening to that um, in my car over and over and over. Man, I've been listening to it all week long. Like, Siri sent me a message, said, please play something different. Um, but you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that the more we worship during the week, the more awesome the worship is when we come together. You listen to that honky-tonk, country, whatever, whatever number it is, and rock, and I find myself sometimes doing that. And, um, but it's when I tune in to the Spirit of God, and the more I worship all week long, when I'm working and uh, when I'm off, it's more awesome the worship when, when, when I come together. We started this, this year, I went to Africa in, in J July and we worshiped every morning. And then on our Philippine trip this past January, um, it was incredible. We worshiped every mo morning. And um, I, I believe that as we worship tonight, that God is going to do some incredible things in us, among us, and through us. Amen? Amen. I, I want to talk about a couple other things. First, I want to welcome those that are joining us in the house, but I want to welcome those that are joining us uh, online and either live or at a future date. We're glad that you're listening. And uh, we just went live at our Tupelo campus, make some noise for those guys over there. <clears throat> Easter is coming up, right? Seems like it was just like a yesterday that it was Easter. Uh, Easter last year, we were 10 years old. Easter this year, we will be 11 years old. 11 years old. Can I get an amen? That God is blessed for 11 years, yeah. Uh, actually, we started April the 16th, 2006, and Easter Sunday will be April the 16th this year. So that's pretty cool. But 
I want to challenge you to do something. I want you to invite like crazy. I, I mean like crazy. Some of you are crazy. So it's not going to be a stretch for you. But invite people, uh, as many people as you can, for Easter weekend. It's the 15th and the 16th. The 15th and the 16th. So be inviting people. We're going to give you some invite cards and uh, you can just pass those out, but invite people. But then second, be praying for Easter weekend. Because I really believe that God is going to do something incredible in this church at both of our campuses on Easter weekend. I just, I just feel it. I believe it. I sense it. I'm excited about it. Can you tell? And, and, and guess what? I'm not just doing this for promotion's sake, because I, I got a lot to say today. Um, but right after Easter, we're going to be beginning a, a, a brand new series called Awakening 2017. Awakening 2017. I believe that our nation is so in dire need of revival. I believe there are Christians in churches and there are Christians in this church that need a fresh anointing, a fresh awakening from God. And I believe we're going to experience, I think we're going to experience it today, to be honest with you. But I believe that during that series, I'm already working on those messages and God like, wow, mm, just really has spoken to my heart of renewal awakening and I believe that if you and I would pray if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray then they will hear from heaven I believe that if we will humble ourselves and pray for this awakening time um, it's going to be happening right after Easter it's like a revival raise your hand if you've ever been to a revival Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, a lot of churches have what they call revivals. And I don't know where the name came from, but we're calling it Awakening 2017. So I believe week after week as we're in that series that, that God is going to really show up and really do some incredible things. And all God's people said? Amen. All right. Well, get your Bibles. Take your Bibles, please and turn to the book of Ephesians. We're, we've been in this series. This is our fifth week. It's kind of a long series. Uh, it, it is a long series, but I'm not going to be able, I'm not able, I've discovered that I'm not able to cover everything that I really wanted to cover in this series um, before Easter comes and then awakening. So I'm going to come back to the book of Ephesians at a later date, and we're going we're gonna to look at some stuff um, some key passages in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote a letter to the church there at the, in the city of Ephesus, which is now modern, which is modern day uh, Turkey. All right, and so he's writing to these young believers. They're young. Um, little did he know that that uh, Ephesus would become. Uh, an evangelism hub of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout Asia. 
Paul had the intentions, I believe, that he wanted this letter read by the Ephesian believers, but really he wanted it circulated through all of the churches in Asia. And divinely inspired by God, we have it today. Little did Paul know that we would be reading from the book of Ephesians that he actually wrote. The city of Ephesus was a very spiritual city, not spiritual in the God sense, but spiritual and mystic. They had the famous uh, Artemis temple. Artemis was the daughter of Zeus, and they worshipped the goddess Diana, and it was a very um, sin-filled city. There were over 300,000 people in the city of Ephesus, and the church had begun to grow. And as they began to grow, it ultimately it grew so big that they had to meet in a 24,000-seat arena that was in the city of Ephesus. Now, the, the book of Ephesians is six chapters. The first three are more uh, theological and have doctrine, truth, uh, and doctrine. The last three chapters are more practical and um, tell you how to live the Christian life. How many want to know how to live the Christian life? Man, I do, because uh, I need help in that area. So, oh, but you're the pastor, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, have, I have struggles just like everybody else. So, so Paul is writing. Now, he uses, this is very interesting, I want to tell you this before we read it, but he uses a classical Hebrew, because he was Jewish, Paul uses a classical Hebrew approach which begins with the negative and then goes to the positive. So I'm just warning you today, the first part of this message is a little negative. I, I haven't got any problem with that ever, preaching the Word of God. I'm just trying to give you some background on why he approached it this way as he wrote to these young believers. And so he writes, beginning in uh, chapter 4, Verse 17, we'll read it together. We'll follow along. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. The Gentiles were non-Jews, okay? They were not under the Jewish covenant. And so he said, um, I, I, don't, I don't want you to be living like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. I mean, this is pretty strong language. He's calling these folks ignorant. It'd be like me saying, look, don't go down there. They're ignorant. Anybody feel what I'm talking about? It'd be like me calling you ignorant. And uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't like that. And so he's writing this from the negative. Remember that. That is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. I mean, look, not only are they operating out of ignorance, they have hard hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Okay, 
And so he says in verse uh, 20, that, ha- that, however, is not the way of life that you've learned. Now, let, let me just stop. I'm going to come back to it. He's telling them these things because they had gotten off track. They had taken a detour. They had gone a direction that they didn't need to take. And quite frankly, they started living like they lived before uh, they met Christ. Verse 21, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires. And this is where he makes the transition. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So he's, what's, what Paul is talking in, to them about in this portion of Scripture is what God has saved them from and what God had called them to. And he said, look, you guys, <coughs> you, you were participating in these things, but you've been saved. You have become a part of the Jesus community. You have become a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm, I'm reminding you of this stuff because this is not who you are, it's who you were. Who were they? Now, I want you to write these down, and maybe by the end of the sermon, if you write all of these down, maybe it'll, it'll give you something to, to look in your Bible at next week or some other time and say, hey, this is how I'm supposed to live. The first thing he says, uh, we are new creatures. We're new creations in Jesus Christ. I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. He said, look, you guys, you've been saved. You don't worship that little G God Diana anymore. You're supposed to let Christ rule in your heart. You're you're supposed to let Christ uh, be Christ in you. His spirit is living with you, within you. This is what I know. And I want to ask this question. And I want you to ask this question. What has changed in my life since I met Jesus Christ? What has changed in my life since I met Jesus Christ? So here were the the Ephesian believers, and they had put their trust in Jesus Christ to save them. They knew that Diana couldn't save them. They knew that they could not earn their way to heaven and be guilted into heaven. And now they needed to ask this question, what in my life has changed since I met Jesus Christ? For some of you, you'd say, well... You know, that was a long time ago. Uh, I I guess my language changed. At least most of the time it's changed. I I think the lifestyle that I'm living is different. And I think if we were to be honest and really search our souls, search our heart about this, that we would discover that a lot of the time the things that should be changing aren't really changing. You see, it's a process, 
But it's not, it's a lifelong process, but it shouldn't take years for the process to start. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Okay, so yes, it's a process. I'm going to come back to that at the end of my message. Yes, it's a process. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. It's a process. We are new creations in Jesus Christ. And yes, it's a process, but for many believers, it's, it has been a delayed process starting. You see, sanctification is, is a lifelong thing. From the time I met Jesus Christ until the time uh, I'm, I'm dead and, and with him, alive with him, is, is called sanctification. It's God changing me daily. What's changed in my life since I met Jesus Christ? He says in, in verse 17 again, he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. In the futility of their thinking. Which, this is my first point. Uh, or, uh, this is one of my points today. Without Jesus Christ... My life has no purpose. Without Jesus Christ, life has no purpose. Now, okay, so if, if you're not a believer and you're here today, this is a good day to come because you're going to see the side uh, of the opportunity of walking in the light as Christ called us, and you're going to see the benefits of being a Christian. So just listen. But if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Christ, without Christ, my life has no purpose. Without Christ, your life has no purpose. Now, okay, a lost person can grow up, go to school, be successful. And he can say, well, that's my purpose. So it would be better for me to say, a life without Christ has no spiritual purpose. You see, God has created us, right? He's given us a mind. He says, in the futility of your mind, your minds were darkened. Now, the truth is, God gave us a mind. Wow, the mathematical geniuses that are in the world. The incredible minds of business. It's crazy. Of people that yet to put their trust in Jesus Christ. So it's not that you don't, ha that you don't have a mind. It's just that um, you don't have the mind spiritually what your brain thirsts for. Uh, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, right? Perfect garden. God had a mark, and they missed the mark. <laughs> the Bible says that they sinned against God. It was perfect. It was, a, it was a perfect place. No sickness, no death, no funerals, no disease. But they decided that they were going to transgress God's law. So the Bible says that they sinned against God, and it like... Uh, short-circuited their brain and from that point on sin has been in in the world and so we're messed up people and without Christ we have no purpose eternally we have no purpose spiritually without Christ we're just wandering he says in verse 18 they are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life that, of God 
because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of their hearts. So, number one, without Christ, my life has no purpose, no destiny, no meaning. Second, Paul says, remember he's still from, coming from the negative side. Uh, he says, you were blinded. Man, it, you have eyes, but you could not see. What he was saying is, when, before you met Christ, he's talking to these young believers, this young Jesus community. He said, Bef before Christ, you were blinded. You, you thought Diana was the goddess. You thought that uh, th the, the things that, that are, were taught in, at, the, at Artemis, Artemis' temple was the way to go. But you were burdened with guilt because you were, you were blinded. You were blinded by the way of the world. I mean, it's the same today. We're inundated oh, so much with, with television and Netflix and, and social media, and we're, we're getting fed these messages. We see these images, and we watch these plots, and it would be embarrassing for me today to tell you some of the junk that Christ followers watch thinking it's okay for them because they somehow justified it away that it's not going to hurt me. But what happens is when you're watching this stuff and you're listening to this stuff, it changes you. It, it, it blinds you. And Paul, Paul was writing to Ephesus and he said, look, you, you're, a, you're, you're falling back into the same stuff that you used to do, the same lifestyle that you used to have. You need to get back on track. For some of you listening today, you need to get back on track. The process has been delayed of your growing in Jesus Christ. You need to get back on track and back in the things of God like you once did. Occasionally, I'll hear somebody say, I just don't have the... The, the excitement. I don't, just don't feel it anymore. Well, I'm going to talk about that during the, the Awakening series, but let, let me just go ahead and say, uh, you, you need to worship whether you feel it or not. You need to repent whether you feel it or not. You need to read your Bible whether you feel it or not. And, and he's saying to these young believers, you were, remember, you were blinded. Write this, this is a long one. Please write it down, but it's going to take you a while. Um, your, your experience on this planet is profoundly limited by the fact that your heart is desensitized to the one who gave it to you in the first place. Can, can somebody just like, amen? Can somebody just like whisper, amen? I'm going to start preaching, but I, I need to know you're getting it. Uh, your existence on planet Earth is profoundly limited by your heart being desensitized to the one who put you here to begin with. Let me translate that because that was kind of wordy. It's my fault because um, I'm the one that worded it that way. Um, um, God put you here and... You are limited. You're profoundly limited 
when your heart is desensitized to the things of God. In the book of Revelation, um, John is on the island of Patmos, and 43 years later from Paul writing this letter, John writes and records the words of Jesus. And he writes to seven different churches, and one of the churches is this very church. And over a period of time, though early in their relationship with Jesus Christ, things were going good, they were excited. But somewhere along the way, what Paul was warning them of right here in our text for today happened because they were desensitized toward the things of God. And in the book of Revelation chapter 2, it says, one thing I have against you, Ephesus, church at Ephesus, is you have lost your first love. You have fallen out of love with your Savior. So well, what does it look like to be des desensitized? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you three ways. Well, uh, actually, he's going to give you three ways. First of all, they had lost uh, all sensitivity, sensitive to the things of God. They, they were no longer sensitive. They were, if, they, if they were going to church, they were, just, they were just going through the motions. They were not uh, uh, getting into it. They weren't reading their Bible. They weren't in a small group. They weren't serving. They were showing up. See what he had on or she has on. They weren't tithing. How do you know that? Well, when you become desensitized to the things of God, what keeps you uh, on track? Your passion for God, your love for God, your uh, obedient heart. And they had become uh, insensitive to the things of God. Number two, they, and they, they had begun to, uh, before they met Christ, and some were falling back into the same trap, they were indulging in every kind of impurity. I know in this translation it uses the word impurity, but it's talking about in the sexual nature. So they were doing, they were doing stuff, all right, like they used to do, and Paul's warning them, look, you're acting like who you were, not who you are. Aren't you glad that God and Paul sat down on the couch with the church at Ephesus and, 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 and shared these things with them? Look, church, we need people uh, to, to speak truth into us. We need people to speak the, the truth into us. And that's what Paul was doing. He was speaking the truth into them. And then the next one, he said, you were full of greed. I mean, is this ever going to stop? <laughs> I mean, I mean he's, he's like calling them on the carpet. Is it never going to end? He said, you're, you're ignorant. You're blinded. You were blinded. You're acting like them. Life of impurity. And then he says, you're full of greed. What's greed? Well, greed is the opposite of generosity. It's the opposite of generosity. You're, you're full of yourself. Uh, kind of sounds like the culture that we're living in today. We're so full of ourselves. 
If something doesn't go exactly right, uh, we get all upset, right? It's, uh, usually we won't say this, but usually it's our human nature. I'm, just, I'm smiling because this is going to hurt just a little bit. We're so full of ourselves, but we don't, we don't want other people to know that we are. If I, if I closed in prayer right now, you would say, Terry, man, that, that was a tough message. When are you going to get something good? Well, when Paul gets there, I will. He said, you're full of greed. It's all about you. You know, we, we live in a culture. It's all about selfies. Um, we post pictures of ourselves. I mean, for crying out loud. Seriously? Um. If you posted a picture of yourself this morning on social media, I promise you one thing. I didn't see it. <laughs> okay? Uh, but we're, we're so obsessed with ourselves. It's self-gratification. It's self-pleasing. It's, it's, I, I, I'm filled with selfishness. It's all about me. And Paul called them on the carpet and he said, um, in your face this is how you used to live and some of you are living like that now so verse 20 he says <clears throat> that however is not the kind of life that you learn when you heard about Christ uh, this is not what you heard when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You, you, this is not what you were taught. Does sometimes, don't sometimes we need somebody to, to stand up on a stage like this or on the phone or in, in a room to say, hey, God saved you from that stuff. Why are you going that direction right now? God saved you from it. Why are you doing it? We live in such a culture that's uh, uh, of religion. Religion is predicated on the fact of, of knowing about God. And this is what I know. Religion is knowing about God. Jesus Christianity is knowing Jesus. Religion says you need to know about God. Therefore, we, we know about God. We know that he's holy. We know that he's righteous. And so we try to be ethical and we try to be moral. But to the person who has not given your heart to Jesus Christ, that's religion. It's knowing about God, but Christianity is knowing God. Christianity is knowing God. Amen? And then he says in verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, 
and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is where he makes the transition. I am so glad. You were blinded. You were ignorant. You were impure. Uh, You had no purpose. And now finally, he makes that transition like a classical Hebrew style. He says, now this is what you do. You take off what is dead and put on what is living. The whole book of Ephesians is not about, uh, it's, a, it's about healthy doctrines and healthy disciples, but it's not about an improvement or a, a makeover or a renovation. Like, you were good, but now you're better when you met Jesus. It, it ain't like that. Honey, you were dead, and now you're alive. Did I just call you, honey? That's kind of weird. Child of God, you were dead. And now you're alive. Put off the old stuff and put on the new. Put off the old. What old? What old stuff? I I don't know. I I know some of you pretty good, but I would never say, uh, this is what I think Paul is saying about you specifically. I wouldn't do that. But you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what needs to be put off. Maybe, maybe it's like you're a different person on Monday than you are on Sunday. You know what you need to put off. And put on Christ. And the good thing about Christianity is we don't change to become a Christian. We change because we are a Christian. Hello. Terry, that was one of the best things you said today. Thank you. Amen? We don't change so that we can become a Christian. We become a Christian and we change. What needs to change? What has changed in your life since you met Jesus Christ? Now verse 23, and then I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm landing the plane right now, okay? It's on the, we're taxiing to the tarmac right now, but, but don't miss this next part. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds to be made new how do you do that you said it was a process you said it takes your entire life it does but it it starts immediately like oh let's just say becoming generous practicing generosity i don't know what the next step for you it it may be maturity uh, getting in a small group Maybe you've been kicking the tires until your toes are sore and the tires are weak and it's time to take the next step of membership or serving. Maybe you've been attending. Maybe you're even a member 
but you're, you're, you're not serving in any capacity. Hello? Seriously? Maybe it's getting into the Bible and letting the Bible get into you. Maybe it's what you're listening to. Oh, look, I, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. I, I, I know I've got all that stuff. While friends of mine were building bonfires and burning their albums when they got their hearts right with Jesus, I was hiding mine, okay? But I've discovered that the more I'm listening to, to the music we sing here, Christian music, the more I become like Jesus Christ. And really, the less of that other stuff that I want to be filling my brain. I was listening to a song the other day, and it was a 70s rock. And I thought, you know, I, I can listen to some of this and it not affect me. And I looked down, and I was driving like 85 miles an hour. Now, I can't listen to it and it not affect me. Um, Marla listens to... Uh, I don't know what she called it. I said, what is that? She said, it's Pandora's box or something. Pandora? Pandora. Pandora's box. I catch her out of the house and I listen to a little Doobie Brothers. I'm sorry. But I'm being honest, the less, the more that I put off and the more of Christ I put on, the better I am, the more uh, efficient I am, the more healthy I am, put him on, put the old off, and watch the new you, the healthy you, the healthy disciple emerge and grow. If you receive that today, say amen. Amen. I want to pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, this passage of Scripture and God, how it's, it's kind of, it was kind of rough at first. And then you, you showed us the, the positive. And thank you for, for reminding us that we need you and that we can't live without you. If today you realize for the first time that you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, you may have been a religious person and you know about God, but you don't know God. I want to give you an opportunity right now from the privacy of your heart to call on the name of Jesus. Just say this in your own words. You can just say it something like this, but say, God, I know that I have sinned and I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and that on Easter Sunday, he rose from the grave. I repent of my sins and I put my trust in Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Come into my life, I follow you. Maybe your prayer as a believer, you're already a believer, would be, God help me every day to put off the old and to put on the new. I'm going to ask that everyone at both of our campuses to please stand. And I just want to pray this prayer over you. You don't want to miss this closing song, I promise you.
is power-packed. Father, thank you for all the people who came out today. And I pray, God, that you would take these closing moments of, of worship, God, and just, just use them to speak to our heart. Use them to encourage us and to pump us up and to help us to become who you created us to become. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.